96.1 KXU, www.poormagazine.org slash radio. Friaz Lan coming up next. Stay tuned. Keep it locked. esfuerzo sea como un llamado de voluntad y esperanza para todos 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 And this is KEXU 96.1 FM, Poor People's Revolutionary Radio. I'm JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. And today I got a, a very good show. I have a great guest, uh, Charlie Trujillo. 
uh, author, publisher, filmmaker, um, you know, and, and he's going to be here uh, in the studio today live. And so we're going to talk to him about uh, some of the things he's been working on, um, his publishing, his filmmaking, and his, uh, you know, his uh, writings. And so we're going to talk to him in a little bit. But first, we're going to get some news, uh, an update uh, from Aslam Press. And this is in regards to uh, everything to do with Aslan. So first, we want to uh, take a look into the concentration camps. And we have some, um, some more news um, coming out of there. And, you know, one of the things that continues to happen uh, to mostly Chicano prisoners is these gladiator fights that are occurring uh, within the prisons in these concentration camps. And so to fill some of you in, you know, some of the listeners haven't heard, um, but what's going on is, um, you know, the state um, has been um, having these gladiator fights going on where they are uh, taking prisoners and, and, and prisoners are being pitted against one another uh, coming out of their cells, uh, you know, with um, rivals and um, and used as human gladiators in, in as blood sport. And we've seen in the news in, in the past where, uh, you know, the guards were betting on almost like rooster fights. And so this is continuing to go on. And we just had the biggest gladiator fight in U.S. history occur in Soledad Prison. And this is where, um, you know, the prisoners were used as human gladiators, oh, over 200 prisoners. So this is the biggest gladiator fight ever, um, you know, instigated. So, you know, this is what's happening to our rasa um, behind prison walls. And this is how, you know, when I talk about uh, attacks on Aslan, you know, I'm not just talking philosophically. You know, I'm t I have these are concrete examples of how an attack on Aslan or any other people's, how it looks. What does it look like? What does that mean? Well, one of the ways it means is, um, you know, grabbing these human beings, these bodies, and having them fight to the death, uh, hurt each other, maim each other, and possibly do more. All in for the enjoyment um, of, of these, um, you know, these, these people who are um, in charge of... Um, you know, supposedly protecting these incarcerated, imprisoned individuals. So this is what's going on to our people, to our rasa. We don't hear about it in the news. We don't hear about it in the morning news, in the newspapers, the mainstream newspapers. Nobody cares. Nobody talks about it. But guess what? I'm Free Aslan. We're talking about it. We're going to continue to talk about it and shed a light on what is occurring to our people. These are our brothers these are our sisters, these are our nephews, our primos, these are our neighbors, these are our co-workers, these are our community members. And so we're never going to stop fighting and resisting and struggling for our people. These are our people. And so we're always going to stand up for our people and continue this fight for justice, uh, even when these odds are stacked against us. Uh, you know, because in history we've had enormous odds and we don't care about odds. We continue uh, La Lucha Sigue. And this is what we are doing today. So we're going to continue on this fight to stop the gladiator fights. We don't care if these are prisoners. We don't care if 
something happened out in the community that got them locked up. We don't care about that. These are human beings, and these are our people, our community, and we're going to continue to raise this issue, raise the spotlight, continue to talk about it, continue to push um, for those who are uh, instigating this uh, gladiator situation to stop, and we're not going to stop until they stop. So that's enough of that news. Um, uh, from Aslan Press, and that's something that we're going to keep an eye on and we're going to continue to talk about. But let me get to this interview. Um, I have uh, my special guest here, and I just want to um, to introduce my guest, uh, Charlie Trujillo. Welcome to Free Aslan. Oh, man, it's really nice being here, man. Well, thank you, brother. Uh, I appreciate you coming, and you came all the way from San Jose, and, you know, I know it's a little distance all the way to Oakland, and we're broadcasting here in East Oakland, and uh, this is uh, the, fa- the the this is the birthplace of the Black Panther Party. So this has a special history as well, uh, very revolutionary history, and very um, you know uh, this is an activist community here, and and so we love it here. Free Aslan is very at home. But let me get to this interview, uh, Charlie. I just wanna um, I wanna start you know first on. Um, you know, you have so many things to talk about. We, we can go on and on on any topic. But the first topic that I think should lay the foundation is very important and interesting, in my opinion, is, you know, um, you um, you are a Vietnam vet, you know. And so, you know, you spent time in Vietnam. And, and Vietnam, of course, was a very historical event for people around the world. And especially third world peoples, you know, it's very significant what occurred in Vietnam, but let me just ask you for the, um, as a vet and, um, in the, in the U.S. war on Vietnam, um, let me just ask you the question that, um, you know, your experience when it comes to Vietnam, um, how was your experience there as, um, um, you know, as a soldier being deployed there and, you know, how did it affect, how did it affect your consciousness as a Chicano soldier? Yeah, well, you know, I was 18 years old when I joined. And for, uh, like, many uh, very common uh, reasons is because of, uh, you know, there, was n- there wasn't any jobs. I, I really couldn't get into school. Uh, and patriotism, I was very patriotic and things of that, store, of that sort. And also a family tradition, my dad and his brother, and my uncles, uh, yeah, my mother's side, they were all war veterans, too. So I thought it was like a tradition within our family. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and that's, you know, that's, uh, there's a lot of tradition. A lot of families going through different traditions. And, and, and that's how it works as you grow up. And if, you know, um, your father, grandfather, great-grandfather were firemen, then, you know, most likely, you know, um, the child is going to want to be a fireman. That's understandable. But, you know, that was during a, a very, you know, what some may, um, may define as a turbulent era. You know, I like to, to define it as a very um, active, very politically active era, a very revolutionary era. People were rising up everywhere, not just, you know, here uh, in, 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 um, in the U.S., but around the world, people were just you know, um, resisting injustice in so many ways. But um, I wanted to ask, uh, f- follow up on that question. Um, and, you know, uh, 
you know, as far as the events going on in the, throughout the world and at home, um, you know, you had the Chicano movement at that time, for example. But when you were in Vietnam, um, how did this whole experience of what was going on in society, um, how did it affect your consciousness, your um, social consciousness? Well, you know, we didn't get much information. I was in the infantry. But uh, I just, as I was there, you know, I began to think about, hey, why am I fighting these uh, third world people, right? Mm. And I was a farm worker, and I said, it seems like we're fighting their farm workers. Oh, it wow. didn't make any sense to me uh, after a while. And what the whole war was about, uh, and even within the military, there was, um, especially after 1968, there were uh, soldier resistance to the war in Vietnam. Mm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I write about it in my book, Soldados Chicanos in Vietnam, a uh, story of 19 guys from my hometown of Corcoran, California. And uh, I write about when we actually went on strike, about mm. 120 of us. Mm. Yeah, and then there was also very important over there was the, uh, the black power movement. You mm. know, like uh, one of the reasons that we went and uh, started uh, the, the strike was because the black soldiers, they were saying things like what they learned from Muhammad Ali and Martin Luther King and things of that sort. And that's not hasn't been covered very much. And uh, in my book, Soldados, also, I'm going to reissue it uh, in probably a month or so. And I was just reading it again. It's been 30 years since I read it. And um, it seems that um, half the guys got, got put in jail over there. Oh, wow. Yeah, half of them. And got had problems with the mil uh, military justice, which is an oxymoron. <laughs> and uh, so there was a lot of that stuff going on, too. And then, I mean, there was prisoners, for example, in what they called Long Bin Jail, LBJ, they called it, like mm. the president. And half the prisoners there were, were uh, black soldiers. Wow. Uh, yeah. They were uh, the majority of the prisoners there? Yeah, 50%, yeah, from what I read. And uh, so they also... Uh, uh, there was resistance there. Mm. Yeah. And how did the prisoners resist under those conditions? Like I don't know. I know they had a riot back in 68, and I think uh, the military killed three or four of the prisoners. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Oh, uh, wow. That was 1968. So, you know, uh, yeah, the, the actually the military towards the end of the war was falling apart. They had to move out because the soldiers really don't want to fight anymore. There was no reason for it, not really. I mean, uh, if you really look at it logically. So it changed my mind uh, about what I was doing there, why I was fighting, you know, because I, I also wanted to prove myself as a man, your manliness, and, you know, be, uh, have your family you know. be proud of you and, yeah. and things of that sort. But yeah. I, f I found out something different when I was there. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's horrible that, uh, you know, um, I could only imagine, I think, about the statement you made about, you know, being a farm worker and then um, going across the world to fight another farm worker. Yeah. And that must have been, like, wow, I incredible, yeah. you know, to, to realize that. Because yeah. I could picture myself being in the jungle saying, why am I trying to, yeah. um, you know, take down this, this farm worker, this field worker, when um, in reality um, I'm a field worker too. So what the hell is going on? What am I doing? Uh, yeah. And who is making me do it? I mean, I would just 
strongly question um, how can I end up in this situation and what is causing, who is causing me uh, to come here and fight right. other yeah. brothers and sisters right. in the third world. It's just incredible. As a person who's, you know, um, ancestry derives from the third world. I mean, yeah. our people in Mexico, this, that's the third world. Yeah. So Right here in San Jose or in Oakland, everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah. You're absolutely right. It, yeah. It's um, we go to the the homeless camps. They're living, you know, that's the third world within the first world. So yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And um, but yeah, let me uh, let me ask. You know, um, one of the things that that I really enjoy about um, your work is is the, of course the books. You know, the the books and um, you know and um, and learning about the book soldados uh was was you know i love that as well but i think some of the viewers might, might want to know like well, what got you into writing like how did you get into writing what well i about in the middle of uh, 1984 85 i was teaching college oh. and uh i began to read a lot of books that were coming out about vietnam a lot, a lot of vietnam veterans began to write about the war and I just decided, well, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll do the Chicano version of the war. Uh, but more mm. importantly, uh, well, just as important, shall we say, I also wanted to include Chicanos and Chicanas in history. You know, like we don't have a history. Mm. So I said, what better way to do that than a war which are, are considered uh, signif significant events in history. Mm. So that's uh, But then, um, you know, I just started there in my hometown and I stayed there in Corcoran. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of us. I mean, for some strange reason during that time, we did not need uh, have to worry about affirmative action in the military or the prisons. <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, you know. Wow. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes. And that is true. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's, 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 and I've been to Corcoran, so I know Corcoran is, uh, you know, um, you know, the majority of the guards are Rasa, um, and that's because the community is, is, there's so much Rasa right there. Yes, yeah, the it's about the job market, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and I have family members that are guards oh, and things like that. Yeah. So. Wow, incredible. Yeah. And you must also probably have uh, school schoolmates <laughs> in Corcoran on the other side of the... Yeah. You know, I'm sure you, you yeah. went to school with some people. I mean, it yeah, just... Yeah, that's yeah. the thing about these small communities with prisons yeah. is um, half the town yeah. uh, are going to have friends and family in the prison yeah. and the other half is going to have friends and family as the guards yeah. guarding them. So, yeah. you know, and that's the thing is, um, yeah. you know... Yeah. Yeah, especially in these um, small towns, this is where they build the prisons. Yeah. And, you know, and this is what happens. Um, it's incredible. It's, it's yeah, I had two primos that have been there. Oh, uh, wow. They're from uh, Southern California. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you got family that were doing yeah. time there and then family who were guarding them. Well, they, they them. put them in a different yard, but they were there. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because they can't have them in the same yard because, yeah. you know, yeah, they move. Somebody's yeah. going to move, yeah. Right. Absolutely, and that's that's yeah. the way it works in there. But, um, yeah, it's 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 uh, that's the way it is. Um, and, you know, a lot of us are a lot, you know, when it comes to Chicano people, um, and we don't even, we don't hear this in the, in, the, in the mainstream media, but we don't even hear this in a lot of the um, progressive circles I as well. And, and the thing that we're not hearing 
is that um, you know a lot of people understand about solitary confinement that it is torture. The courts have ruled that prolonged solitary is torture and violates uh, the U.S. Constitution. However, what people don't know is that um, in California, for example, and, and actually um, throughout Aslan, which you know I'm referring to uh, the so-called uh, U.S. Southwest, so in the U.S. Southwest states, um, the largest population that is housed in solitary confinement, like Corcoran Prison, has a solitary unit, the Corcoran Shoe. Well, the largest population within the prisons in the Southwest, um, the solitary confinement prisons, the largest population are Chicano prisoners uh, housed in these uh, torture centers, these solitary confinement units. So if we understand that and the numbers, you can research it. Um, that's the largest population within the Southwest prisons. If that's the case and the courts have recognized that prolonged isolation is torture, then we can um, say um, that the largest proportion of people, prisoners being tortured, um, um, within the Southwest prisons are Chicano prisoners. Uh, and that's incredible that we don't hear about that in the mainstream news. We don't hear about it in progressive circles, in the progressive newspapers and progressive news uh, stations. So that's something that, you know, because, you know, you're a Vietnam vet and, you know, I'm sure you agree there is a strong correlation between uh, military vets um, that were in battle and and, 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 and and prisoners held in solitary, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's something that's, you know, well established. But um, I wanted to say as well, after watching your film, uh, Soldados, um, and learning that uh, you grew up in, in Corcoran, you know, um, uh, you know and, and so I wanted to ask you, how, how did... A vato from Corco uh, get into filmmaking. How did this happen, man? This is a miracle, man. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I kind of like. I, I I just did it because after I published my book and my friend Sonia Ree, uh, uh, she's the one that started it. She was 24 years old at the time. She's from New York, and I don't know. We just fell into it. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're glad you fell into it because. Uh, you know, uh, for those who haven't checked it out, you know, his, his, uh, his film um, documentary, Soldados, uh, Chicanos in Vietnam, that's a very good, and, and it's on YouTube, right? It's on YouTube. Yeah, it should be on YouTube, yeah. It's on YouTube, yeah, check yeah. it out, uh, mm -hmm. Charlie Trujillo, and it, it's an excellent documentary. I, I checked it out last night. And uh, it even starts off very funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're good. I like man. a political statement yeah. there. Yeah, it was it was very good. There was a lot yeah. of good uh, yeah. uh, messages in there and education. So but, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, but also uh, what I do is I I have my perspective, political perspective, because there's a story of uh, four other guys that went to Vietnam mm. from my hometown, but one of them is very right wing. Oh wow! Yeah, one of them is very right wing. Mm. Uh, one of them was a prison guard. Oh right there, yeah, the marine. Wow. He was a prison yeah. guard during Corcoran, oh. and he said he liked uh, working in the prison because it reminded him reminded him of Vietnam. Eesh. All the, the you know the, the potential for violence and stress. Eesh. So he felt at home there. Wow, isn't that incredible? Yeah. 
like you have to feel at home to hear your heart beating like that and the mm -hmm. adrenaline rushing through and then you feel at home mm -hmm. because you've been yeah. in that kind of environment yeah. so long that yeah. when you're out of it yeah. you feel out of place yeah you're, like, out, you're like out of your element discomfort yeah you're yeah. out of your element it's yeah. incredible yeah i've had ptsd problems well, i've had P uh, problems with ptsd mm. but i went to therapy for 17 years wow and it helped me a lot and there's a lot of guys yeah that absolutely. uh that happened too absolutely and and i think you know i think we all have a form of PTSD, but of course, those who were held in solitary confinement or yeah. in war veterans, um, I mean, how can you not have PTSD? It's, it's, uh, yeah, know. there is a correlation there. Absolutely. Actually, I would like to do a documentary comparing PTSD from, uh, uh with, uh, soldiers, uh, veterans and prisoners. Mm -hmm. You see that there's, I'm pretty sure that oh. it overlaps. Some Absolutely. of the things adjusting back to society, mm. uh, dealing with violence, mm. you know. So I think yeah. uh, I, I hope to do that one. I also did a um, documentary, a lecture documentary on my ethnic studies learning channel. Mm. You can look, you can uh, uh, see the documentary or the the videos that I've made. It's called ChooseMyHouse.com, C H U S M A House.com, mm. and I also did one on Tiburcio Vasquez, who was Ooh. one of the. He was a prisoner. Uh, in San Quentin in 1856. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so he Incredible. was one of the first prisoners there. He was from. Uh, he was born in um, sa in uh, uh, Santa Cruz mm. in 1835. Wow. His grandfather was one of the first mayors of San Jose in 1790s. Mm. And so, I, and then all, uh, so I, I learned about San Quentin. It was rough, man. It was. Yeah. Uh, yeah they would uh, and. and uh, well, it's, even though they say it's not legal, but in those days, uh, I'm sure they still they beat pe people and stuff. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, but they, they kill. They actually kill people. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. But he, but here it was legal to because uh, he escaped four times. Wow. And he got shot in the hand once. He was there twice, 1856 to uh, he did three years mm. for stealing. And actually, he was you know for the Mexicans, he was uh, a Robin Hood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he helped in, the indigenous people. He even spoke an indigenous language. I don't know which one. Mm. And he would, you know, they were starving, and he would steal cattle and give them some. Mm. But of course, it's kind of like a Robin Hood myth too, right? Yeah, I yeah. don't. But he, but he was, and he actually, during the last part of his life, uh, he was thirty-nine years old when he got uh, hanged in San mm. Jose. He actually um, became a. How can I tell you? Um, Oh, and it was anyway. I just lost my thoughts. Sorry. Yeah, they, they. I know they hung him, right? Yeah, they hanged him. Yeah, they they, yeah. they charged to see the hanging. <sighs> yeah, they, they charged that uh, sort of. And they did it right here in uh, one downtown. Uh, San Jose. San Jose uh, with St. James Park across, across the street. Across the street behind yeah, the courtyard. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So he. Um, yeah, he's quite a colorful guy. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then I also have, uh, am working right now on a documentary. On these two Chicano prisoners of war during uh, mm. Korea. Wow. They're in their 90s now, and they went on a death march. Oh. Yeah, they spent mm. three years, and so I learned something more about prisons there, too, when their experiences, right? Mm. And uh, it was, it was, they call them death camps, basically. Yeah, death camp. That's what we used to call Pelican Bay Shoe, a death camp. Is that you right? You know, because you don't die physically. 
where you die. Uh, many people died me uh, mentally, psychologically. Yeah. You know, it's horrible. You know, yeah. um, destroying people's minds is sometimes worse than destroying uh, their body physically. Yeah, because, yeah. Because at least when you get destroyed physically, you don't have to worry about it no more. You get destroyed mentally. Right. Yeah. You got to live on like that. Like, you're going to yeah. deal with yeah. everything everybody else deals with only yeah. on top of that. You know, we, you know, uh, you know, damaged, destroyed your mind very um, badly. So that's the, the you know, uh, that was our death camp, you know. But, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, the, yeah it's it's a horrible experience in, in either camp. And uh, so hopefully um, people keep resisting so that uh, in the future there will be no camps. You know, that would be wonderful, you know. So, but until then... Uh, we still have to keep doing uh, free Aslan, and we still have to be here at Poor Magazine and um, continuing this struggle. Um, and, and this is a beautiful way to struggle. So, you know, we're not complaining, but this is uh, what we have to do. So we're here at 96.1 FM and at Poor Magazine. And so what we're going to do right now, we're in an interview with Charlie Trujillo, uh, of Choose My House Publishing and um, the author of Soldados Chicanos in Vietnam. So we're here, we're interviewing with them. We're going to take a short break. We're going to play a song real quick. And uh, you guys just stay on, uh, keep listening, and we'll be back in, in a couple of minutes.
I gave you everything I had, but you just pushed me away. I tried so hard to break loose, but you gained control every day. I watched you take my whole world from me, and there was nothing I could do. A secret word, a hidden touch, and I belong to you. KEXU, this is KEXU 96.1 FM, and we're back from the break. So, um, you know, I just want to talk back to, um, you know, welcome back uh, here with Charlie Trujillo. Welcome back, Charlie. No, thank you, man. Yeah, and, and we're just having a conversation about, you know, some of the history that Charlie's been involved in and some of the stuff that he's been um, partaking in. But, um, you know, I, I wanted one of the questions, and it was a very good question, I I wanted to ask is that, you know, because we heard about your, um, you know, some of your projects and your uh, documentaries, you, you know, that, that you've done um, on Tiburcio Vasquez, a great Chicano hero um, of ours in Free Aslan. We, you know, we love uh, Tiburcio Vasquez and how he fought uh, for the Chicano people and for all oppressed people. Um, you know, and he fought the oppressor very strongly and very, very hardly, full force. But besides that, you've done a lot of other documentaries. So the question I wanted to ask is, of all the documentaries you've already done, uh, including Tiburcio Vasquez, um, what is your favorite uh, documentary you've done so far? Well, I can't really say because, like, they're all your kids, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah right. but, you know, I'm really looking forward to doing your documentary. Oh, you know? that, that's, that's yeah. wonderful. I'm looking forward to yeah. that, too. You know, yeah. I think that um, I do have a story that, um, you, you know, people have not heard. I haven't seen a documentary on uh, the story that, that, that I have to share as well. So... That that is going to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I look forward to that. I'm very glad to to be working with you on. Oh that. yeah, I'm I'm excited about this project. Uh, absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. And and um, you know also um, you know because you've done these documentaries and they are like children. And I thought about. It, I said, how can he? And it would be interesting to hear if he could choose one. That would be. Oh man, it, it's because it, they're all good, you know. They're all good, yeah. but um, if you had a favorite, it would be nice. But besides that, taking into account all the documentaries, because documentaries, um, I, I love documentaries. I don't even watch TV no more or movies. What I like is documentaries, and that's all I watch now. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by so many um, things to learn through history of the future, of current uh, events, but. You know, I love documentaries. However, um, what I wanted to ask you, 
you know, since, you know, they are like children and, and you love them all the same. But, you know, what would you like done? How, how would you like your documentary shared? Like, I know you're open to anything, but what is your, um, you know, what do you think um, is a way to share these documentaries um, the easiest? Uh, there's no no easy way. Like, even though my first documentary was shown on PBS, on national TV. Wow. Okay, but I haven't been able to get the funds for the other projects, so I've just been funding them myself. But it, it hasn't been on TV, but I do have that choosemyhouse.com, mm. and you can see some of the stuff that I've made. Uh, and also, you know, I, I started first publishing, you know, because no one would publish my first book. I got turned down by at least 80 publishers. So I just decided to do it myself. Wow. So I did. And, you know, I, I had good luck with it. I won an American Book Award. Uh, mm. The book is now going to go into its eighth printing. And uh, so, and I like it. I like that, that book for the reasons of uh, when the, especially the young people read it, mm. they have second thoughts about going to the military. Oh, yeah. Because it's so realistic and honest. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, does it glorify war whatsoever? Right. You know, so. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And and war is, you know, it's it's something that, especially for Chicano people or other oppressed people. Yeah. I, I, I just don't see how we are benefiting, uh, no. especially when we are um, mistreated so, so much yeah. here. At, you know, and, 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 and you know, so it doesn't make sense to me. Either. Well, you know, the, for me, I'm really anti-war, mm -hmm. and what really, really hurts me the most—I mean, just war as a whole, right? Very destructive. Absolutely. Uh, but the children. Yeah. The children are, and 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 the women and children are the ones that suffer the most in these wars. Yes. I mean, the United States was involved in killing. Uh, well, three million people died in Vietnam. Mm. Okay, a lot of bombings, artillery. Mm. Uh, there were free fire zones. You could, in certain places, you could just kill anything that was out there. Mm. So, but it was the children that really, really stuck to my mind the, the most. Mm. In my mind, yeah. The, the suffering and no food, and near starvation. and Even you know. being murdered, children being yeah, murdered. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. And even now, in, in, in Iraq, mm. uh, in Afghanistan... You know uh, what they what they've done in Honduras with mm. the the dictatorship. Basically, it's mm. a dictatorship that they have. Yeah, Celaya was ten yeah. years ago. They had a coup, mm. and you know that that's I've, I've been to El Salvador once. I went back in 1976, I think, mm. and there were some poor people there, man. They had no way out, and I, from what I understand, it hasn't uh, gotten much better. Wow. And that's incredible. But you know what's even more incredible about, especially um, uh, most third world struggles, but it partic in particular the struggle in Vietnam and the U.S. war on Vietnam um, is very, um, it's an event that is very um, interesting to me. And it's a powerful example of, you know, because the Vietnamese actually won that war. You know, yeah. they actually won, yeah. uh, you know, and beat America. So, yeah. you know, and this is a third world country, people in sandals with an AK and a bag of rice. And yet they beat, um, you know, what is considered today the, the world's uh, military superpower of the world, uh, the te most technologically advanced 
country uh, was beaten by these third world people in sandals with the with an AK. But I think that the the major, in my opinion, because I've read some books and I've looked into the situation in the U.S. war on Vietnam, and the thing that fascinates me is, and I think is is very educational to others in the third world who may encounter uh, similar situations. Is the thing is is the U.S. soldiers were and are paid, you know, they're paid to, um, you know, they get access to college and different things, but there's no, um, there's an economic incentive today for U.S. soldiers to fight in wars like against Afghanistan, but the peoples in these third world countries, they are not paid to fight. They're fighting because that's their homeland. They're fighting for their homeland. So on the one hand, somebody who's fighting for something as important as their own Tierra, their homeland, they're going to fight to the death. They're going to fight um, because they're at, uh, ultimately protecting their family, their communities, their friends, their children. Um, and, and so they're going to fight until they cannot fight, until they cannot pull that trigger again. And then you have um, the U.S. Um, soldiers, on the other hand, today um, who are paid. So they're being paid a check to be there and fight. They don't, these people never did nothing to them personally, so there's no personal situation going on. They're just there, ah, get a check, yeah, whatever. One of the things they do, they do, do though, the military, is they use racism. Oh. Right. Uh, uh. I remember being in training in uh, 1968 at Fort Ord. I mean, and they would call them the G word. I mean, they would, you know, oh, and we'd run Asians, around with, yeah. with, with, with rifles and bayonets, mm. kill them, kill them, kill them, you know. Wow. Yeah, so it's a, also what's going in Iraq, the, the, uh, because there really isn't a struggle or a fight, as they, they tell us. The contradictions yeah. are too blatant, for me anyway. Right. But not for a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of veterans, yeah. they don't want to deal with it. But uh, no, it's it's uh, it's it's a bad situation uh, with the, the racism, because you don't really have an enemy, so they create one. They create one. Yeah, and they then also the sexism. Them, huh? and the, yeah, dehumanize them. Also the sexism. Mm. You know, uh, there's a lot of rape in, in the military. Men, soldiers raping women. Soldiers. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that, that, especially Crazy. in the war. Uh, even the own uh, female veterans. There's a lot of a lot of that stuff within wow. the old troops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they rape a lot of the females. So mm. it, it's horrible. And a lot of them commit suicide because of that. And then you got the f so-called quote-unquote friendly fire, uh, and <laughs> we know what that is. Hey, yeah. look over there, buddy. Bam! Yeah. You know, on the back of the head. So, yeah. you know, we know, you know, you, you, you piss off somebody, yeah, you get the gunshot. You get him, you know, knock his noodle out. Hey, look at over there. There's 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 an enemy over there. They turn around and knock his noodle out. So we know yeah. how they, they, you know, they continue yeah. to do that. Um, and that's one of the things that, that continues yeah. to happen. So, man, that's horrible. But um, I wanted to say, um, uh, you know... Uh, also, uh, what I wanted to ask about that I thought was very, very important that, that I enjoyed because, you know, um, because of me having um, Aslan Press and I know the importance of um, getting certain work um, published and also promoting education, promoting consciousness, raising consciousness, um, politicizing people, educating people. Um, you know, it, it's, all this work is very important. It's a part of culture. Uh, it's a part of our cultura 
as raza, as Chicano people, and you know, it's it's it, culture is very important, and words and publishing and books and papers and magazines are part of our culture. So, but I wanted to ask you that. Um, you know, because of one of the main things that when I first met you, and I met you at Mexica New Year, right? That was the first time uh -huh, I met you. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I was already packing up, and you came to the booth, the Aslan Press, and I was already, I had nothing there. But, you know, I had my little banner there, and I got to talk to you. But one of the things that stood out from day one when I talked to you was um, when you talked about Choose My House Publishing. So, you know, to me... I identified um, very quickly, I said, oh, you know, this guy's basically been doing what I'm trying to do today. He's been doing this for decades. So uh, you just, you know, I was, um, you know, drawn to you for that. Like, uh, you know, this, you know, this is an inspiration to me that, you know, it's not about, um, you know, your publishing to people around the world to, you know, New York best sellers list and all that we, we don't do it for that you know it's it's um you know when you create something like this and do it yourself um it's more you're you're, you're because you're putting so much of your energy your time your life your money you, everything that you have into this um really you're giving more uh in the material uh aspect than you're getting but you're getting something um bigger than material you're 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 touching people, educating them, and you're helping to uh, raise their consciousness. And to me, that's priceless. And, and to see somebody else, because I know, uh, I have a little idea of what you're going through because I, I, I'm seeing the beginnings of how this process works myself and trying to navigate the situation in the literary world. But um, to know that you are also doing this because this is something that you love. You have to love the people in order to do something like this um, because uh, you're putting more than, than you're getting in the material world. But So uh, my question was, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, if you can speak a little bit of, about Choose My House, like what made you create it and, um, you know, where do you see it going in the future? What's the next um, Well, I, I, since no one would publish my book, and I did, I published my, um, on my own, uh, I also started publishing other people. I published Jose Montoya, the late Jose Montoya, Jose, Jose Burciaga, Afra Artiaga, Josie Mendez Negrete. I have mm. published about 25 different people. But I, I took a hiatus. I mean, I, I took a break from... Uh, uh, publishing, uh, to do the documentaries, mm. and I've also written a novel called oh. Dogs from Illusion, mm. Perros Ilusion. It's about three vatos, uh, Ese Machete and Chuco, which I have written a screenplay. Mm. And hopefully I'm going to start, uh, well, I hope to make that into a feature movie. Wow. Okay, and one of the Perros things... Perros de Ilusion? Perros de Ilusion. Wow. Dogs from Illusion. And uh, it's a multi-ethnic. Okay. You know, the, the main guys are Chicanos, but I'm even going to include a, a Vietnamese woman who was in the resistance fighting uh, the Americans. Oh, I love that. Because they never, wow. you know, when you, that's one of the criticisms that I have heard from Asian people, yeah. uh, uh, academics and filmmakers, is that when they talk about Vietnam or Korea, they don't talk about the other side or the other people who are struggling, right? And it's based on a woman that I read about. 
and she was a, a, a sniper. There was a, actually a whole company of, of, of Vietnamese women. I like to call them the resistance rather than the Viet Cong. Mm. Okay, the resistance. Mm. And they were just outright soldiers, and wow. they were snipers. Well, and this is a real account. There was really a group of women yeah. who were snipers, Vietnamese. Yeah. Wow. They lived underground. Wow. Yeah, those people. Uh, and uh, But then I'm going to show a, a South Vietnamese guy, too, on the okay. other side. I try to make it as fair as I can, yeah. you know, and so... Even though they didn't make it fair, you know... <laughs> yeah, there's, there's differences of, <laughs> no. of what's going on there. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is that I have no animosity to them, right. towards anybody, really, you know what I mean? No, and I meant they didn't make it fair as uh, the American soldiers didn't make it, you know, not, not the same, but yeah. the American uh -huh. uh, state didn't make it fair for the Vietnamese people. You know, yeah. and, and, yeah, and right. that fight, you know, yeah. carpet so, bombing and just... Is oh, yeah, that's just... Then the, <laughs> the environmental destruction, uh, Agent Orange. Agent Orange. They're still yeah, getting cancer Oh, right? yeah, they, all that stuff. And what they did to the economy. Uh, and uh, so it's... it's uh, but they've, they've rebounded. They've they rebounded. have. Yeah. They're building their economy. They're mm -hmm. building their country. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful to see them yeah. um, come out of that um, so much devastation and, yeah. and, that, and that invasion is, is, is just incredible. But, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so Choose My House is kind of um, you wanted to publish your book. And, and you know, and what, why, did you why did you come up with the name Choose My? What did Choose that My from? House is, uh, according to Simon & Schuster, the dictionary, Choose my house is an archaic Spanish word that meant galley slaves mm. in the old days. You know, when they used to row? Mm, yeah. So it's the galley slaves. Wow. And it means the, the rabble, the mob, the riffraff. Oh, the lumpen. Yeah. I talk about the lumpen <laughs> a lot in my show. Yeah. And the lumpen is basically the unemployed, the chronically unemployed, yeah. those labeled as criminals, yeah. those labeled as gang members, those yeah. labeled as, you know, riffraff, people yeah. just engaged yeah. in um, crime, just people <laughs> living yeah. off the underworld, the underground economy. Yeah. And uh, the underground economy is, is, you know, has all kinds of different hustles and, and so... Yeah. Yeah, so, wow, so that's Choose My House. Yeah, and I'm also <laughs> publishing a, a, a new book. Well, I'm going to publish one on women writers, third world women. Mm. Uh, wow. Hopefully it'll be out in about maybe eight, ten months from now. Mm. And with Maribel Martinez, she's going to be the editor wow. from San Jose. Mm. And uh, so I'm also writing a fictional memoir. Mm. It's called The Real Life of a Dead Chicano, Patas de Perro. Ooh, Patas de Perro. Yeah, and that <laughs> one, I, I the first there's going to be a trilogy. And the first part that I write is a, a lot of uh, stories that my grandparents would tell tell mm. me. From t they lived in Texas on both sides of my family, in mm. back in the 1915, 1917, and there was a lot of violence against the Raza. A oh, lot yeah. of violence. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. They had the sundown towns at mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. Sun goes down, you better not be caught outside. You're yeah. gonna get it. Yeah. So you know, it was uh, yeah. yeah, they was yeah. very different. Uh, a lot very of lynchings, vigilantes. Oh, and we yeah. still have vigilantes today. Oh yeah, and they the just have different names. They yeah, have, you yeah. know, these uh, yeah, militia groups. Yeah, and militia groups. There's nothing supremacist. new. There's nothing new. Uh, it's nothing new. They just changed the names of yeah. things, but it's the same behaviors. Yeah. Even the so in some circles, some may say, you know, many police are um, act as um, so, vigilante groups because they're, you know, you don't even get a court. Before yeah. you even get arrested, you're dead. So, yeah. you know, people, um, it's it's horrible, you know, what the way things mm -hmm. remain the same, but change, al alter 
but it's the same formula and that formula is destruction you know it's it's horrible yeah. you know it's a horrible thing but i wanted to ask um one last question before we go i wanted to ask you um what do you have to say to aslan to the chicano people any last words uh charlie well, just uh it's a it's a lifelong struggle it's a mm. lifelong struggle mm. yeah absolutely i i can't even add to that it, it 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 you know those are words that um i'll continue to hear uh until my last breath so and hopefully you know i continue um to bring free aslan and bring um charlie trujillo back and also to bring the future charlie trujillo's um to share with the people and their message as well so i want to thank you charlie uh mm -hmm. for coming on to free aslan uh, it was a pleasure and and i really extremely um i enjoyed this interview it's an honor brother. it's an honor being here thank you thank you brother and we're going to take a short break and hear some more music and then we'll come back uh in a little bit and we may have a live uh musician here to uh, share some of his his uh, artistic work with us as well. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes. All right, sir. Did it. <sighs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> hey, is that? Yeah. 
And this is KEXU 96.1 FM. I'm JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. And so we're back. We just had a great interview with Charlie Trujillo uh, of Choose My House Publishing and author of Soldados Chicanos in Vietnam. So check out that book. Find it um, online or in bookstores. Get it. And he also has his documentary, uh, Soldados on uh, YouTube. So check that stuff out and, and see what else he has to offer at ChooseMyHouse.com. And so I want to go to my next um, guest. And I have uh, the musician, uh, the, you know, um, the um, artist uh, G7. And G7 is going to share some of his music. And welcome to Free Aslan once again, G7. Thank you, brother. It's always an honor. Absolutely. And, and and this brother comes with the sounds of uh, revolutionary music, uh, revolutionary rap music. And, you know, he his music has a message. It's not just, you know, talking about how we're going to self-destruct ourselves and our and our loved ones and our people. But he has some lyrics that, that educates people and, and inspires people to resist, to rise up and to continue struggling forward. So... With that said, why don't you introduce the song, G7? What are we going to be listening to? So this is basically uh, shining light on 45. You know, we don't call him Trump. We call him 45 over here because, uh, you know, he's been nicknamed Colt 45 for decades. We know mm. that his nickname has been Colt 45, and uh. now he's the 45th president, Woo. which tells us that he's had all these years to prepare for when he became the 45th president. Oh. And so, you know... Causing calamity uh. in the, you know, all these neighborhoods, all the raza that's going through it. We're uh. incarcerated. We're getting killed. They're getting away with it. Mm. And uh, in my mm -hmm. city, yeah. they were, you know, the, the mayor and, and the city council, they turn a blind eye to the to the family of Augie Gonzalez, who was killed in cold blood by the mm. Hayward Police Department. There's two officers, Willie and Clark. They're still on duty. And we right. found out that the mayor gets endorsed $100,000 a year. So of course she's gonna turn a blind eye. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah that, that's just the thing is is that's dirty politics, right? Yeah, it, or exactly. capitalist politics, we should say. But so he, he's yeah. basically following tactics like uh, in the '80s when the Cubans, you know, flooded the coast of Florida and were arrested immediately. Uh. So uh, he threatened to build a wall, and what did he do? He arrested everybody, put them in concentration camps, mm. and so every housed inmate, whether it be you know, uh, someone coming to migrate up north or a juvenile or one of us yeah. is 30000 a week to be housed. That comes mm. out of our pocket. And there's always that financial uh, incentive, and, and that's for uh, oppression. Uh, there's always a financial uh, um, incentive for it. And, and so, but let us let us get to this music because we're running out of time. So okay. what, what's the name of this song, brother? This is uh, I Declare War. Mm. It's okay. uh, preparing my people, you know, for what's coming up Absolutely. next. If he's, he even thinks he's going to be elected, uh, it's war. This is deep. Let's listen. Anti-45. Like he's innocent, trees and embezzlement invested in these teachers. 
sentence like you went out all. The judicial system at the border, concentration camp, support of his plan. He is Illuminati, Ku Klux Klan, white supremacist, so racist and prejudiced. It's a disgrace to see his face on the television, United States, trying to inject us with venom. The root of all evil got a sentence since the beginning, manipulating the women for money. You have another price is right, Bob Barker, a top investor this whole time. They put together a plan that in the year 2020, they gon' take over the land. Clear war. And this is KEXU 96.1 FM. Uh, this is JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. And that was G7 in his uh, his song, I Declare War. And that was a very educational, uh, progressive tune. It was, a, it was a rap song, revolutionary rap. And um, this brother is, is coming with the fire. He's coming with reality. And, you know, he's he's letting it be known on, on music, you know, what's taking place, why it's being, why it's taking place, um, what's occurring, and different ways people are resisting. So, you know, I, I have this brother on Free Aslan a lot because, you know, he has this uh, music that um, speaks to our social reality and what we are going through um, as Rasa, as Chicano people, uh, and other oppressed peoples um in, in, in today's uh, society. But before we go, because we're running out of time, Brother G7, I want to thank you, uh, as always, for coming and for blessing us with your uh, medicine. Your music is medicine. It helps in the decolonization process. You know, we got to decolonize our minds before we can decolonize um, in other ways. So the mind is first. So, you know, we work on the mind here at uh, Free Aslan, and um, you are a fellow cultural worker, brother, and you are helping to spread that culture. Culture is medicine, and uh, we are healing here um, at Free Aslan. So thank you very much, my brother, for coming, and I appreciate your music and your medicine. And is there any last words you have for the listeners? Thank you, brother. Um, I appreciate it. It's always an honor being here. Just, you know, remember that the youth and the youngsters are watching. Children are the future. And, uh, you know, may God bless everybody. And this is KEXU 96.1 FM. I'm JV, and thank you for listening to Free Aslan.
Yeah, and this is uh, KEXU 96.1. And, you know, we had a very good interviews today with G7, the music of G7. I declare war. We also had Charlie Trujillo of Choose My House Publishing, author of Soldados Chicanos in Vietnam. And, um, you know, this, this brother uh, came. This is our elder, and he has that, that great medicine as well. Uh, medicine in the form of film, medicine in the form of books, and uh, medicine in the form of great messages. So, you know, I want to thank you all. As always, um, you know, I, I love my audience, and I love to bring that reality and truth to the listeners of Free Aslan. And, you know, um, our struggle continues. Um, it continues on the airwaves. It continues um, out in society, in real life, uh, in real time. So, you know, we're all struggling in the same direction. And I want to thank you all and, and just encourage you to continue uh, moving forward. And when you hear of this, um, you know, this talk of walls and, and, and all this stuff, you know, um, you know, just remember that you're standing on stolen land. This is our land. So you remember that, uh, Rasa, you continue to struggle, continue to organize and to mobilize our communities because uh, we are never going to put an end uh, to what is occurring. We're never going to put an end uh, to the colonization process until uh, we become an organized body of people that are determined to uh, liberate ourselves um, from this colonization nightmare that we've been encountering for 500 years. So, you know, continue to listen in to Free Aslan as we move forward um, into the rest of this year in 2020. Uh, we're going to continue this struggle and, and also to bring you culture and to bring you news and to bring you um, music and um, all of that. So just um, continue listening, continue learning and growing because that's what it's all about. Remember that nothing is stagnant, nothing stays still. You know, um, you know the world um, revolves around uh, change, transformation, um, you know, and um, evolution and, 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 and change, you know, and everything changes. Nothing stays stagnant. And it either changes and grows or it um, digresses and dies. But um, nothing stays the same. And that's for sure. So, you know, we want to learn from history in order to transform the future and continue um, to reach out to one another. You know, there's been a lot of um, situations arising lately um, with um, Aslan under attack. Our people are under attack. You know, we're seeing these mass shootings. You know, we've seen what happened in Gilroy. And, um, you know, had this had that mass shooting um, occurred in, um, you know, in Bel Air or somewhere, um, we would see a whole different response to um, what um, um, what we've seen after the Gilroy shooting. So, you know, this this shooting in Gilroy was uh, an attack on 
you know, uh, mostly raza and, you know, we know just like the, the one in uh, El Paso, Tejaslan, um, that one as well we've seen um, was an attack on um, Rasa. So these are attacks on Aslan. You know, when we see attacks on Rasa, whether they are verbal or physical, um, they are actually attacks on Aslan because um, uh, these attacks are re reactions to, you know, to um, the violent nature of this entity that we're dealing with. And we're, we're dealing with an entity that has um, inflicted uh, harm and um, on, on oppressed peoples uh, on this continent for centuries and, and also throughout the world, you know, uh, imperialism, U.S. imperialism is, uh, you know, this is a, a, a very dangerous and deadly entity. Um, it's something that um, brings destruction around the world. You know, we can see what's happening, um, you know, um, the economic attacks on Mexico where you have these small farmers who, you know, they can't even... Um, you know, they can't even um, have their own subsistence. They have to, you know, they're being bought out by U.S. corporations and people are pouring money into Mexico in order to, um, you know, um, buy them out. So, you know, and then you have the um, attacks on the Middle East, you know. Look at Palestine, you know. Palestine is, a, and, you know, Free Aslan is a friend of Palestine, you know. And we say Free Palestine just like we say Free Aslan. Because the Palestinian people are a concrete example of a colonized people. And so the Chicano nation identifies strongly with the Palestinians because we um, also have a colonizer. And, and we are also a colonized people. So we have very strong unity uh, with the Palestinian people. And we stand um, united with them and struggling in the same direction as our Palestinian sisters and brothers. So... You know, if you look at attacks on Palestine, you look at attacks on uh, peoples in, in Afghanistan, for example, um, you know, this is, uh, this, is a, um, this, is you, this is imperialism and this is how it operates. You know, when you look at it um, in a home country, you know, you have capitalism. But once um, the big capitalists um, export that capitalism to um, another country, um, that is imperialism, uh, you know, because all imperialism is, is the exportation of exploitation. So you're exporting exploitation. And so you're, you're you know, you're, you're ex exporting oppression. And that's what imperialism is. And so, you know, here at Free Aslan, we're anti-imperialists. You know, we don't believe in imperialism and um, we work very hard uh, to um, overcome it and uh, to undermine it at every turn. And so, you know, that's our stance on imperialism. And, you know, for the Palestinian people, they're struggling against imperialism as well uh, and colonizers. And, you know, also in Afghanistan, you know, we have the situation in the Philippines, the sisters and brothers in the jungles of the Philippines resisting, uh, the freedom fighters uh, resisting uh, in the Philippines, um, other uh, under Jose Saison, you know, we have brothers and sisters um, all around the world who, who are struggling 
uh, and resisting imperialism. You know, if you look at imperialism, one of the things that I love to talk about during this time because it's the anniversary, the commemoration of the Chicano Moratorium. And for those who, you know, don't remember the Chicano Moratorium is the largest action um, taken by the Chicano Nation. And um, it was an anti-imperialist action, even if those participating didn't realize it. Because when you uh, challenge the U.S. military, you're really challenging U.S. imperialism because it's the U.S. military that's used um, in, in order to, uh, in order to uh, unleash the imperialism around the world. So if you take away, you know, many people ask, you know, we're anti-imperialists. What can we do? You know, they might be Asians. They might be, you know, other nationalities. And they want to contribute and say, how can we help uh, in, in fighting against imperialism? Well, here in these false U.S. borders, one of the strongest uh, and easiest ways to fight against U.S. imperialism is to, um, you know, undermine the U.S. military. And how some people say, how do you undermine the U.S. military? Well, some um, have suggested that uh, one way is to cut off the lifeblood of the U.S. military, which is its recruits. Well, if you look and do the research at numbers today, it is mostly Rasa who are entering the U.S. military at higher rates than any other nationality. If it's Rasa within these false U.S. borders, the largest percentage of Rasa today are Chicano people, and that is growing. That percentage is growing. So if we want to put a stop to uh, you know, pull the plug on U.S. imperialism, well, then we have to pull the plug on the U.S. military. And if we want to pull the plug on the U.S. military, then we have to stop and shut off the spigot um, that is, um, you know, fueling the U.S. military, and that is its recruits. And overwhelmingly, the numbers are that Chicanos are uh, entering the U.S. military at higher rates than anybody else, than any other nationality. And that's only going to increase as the population of Chicano people and other raza increases in the next 20 years. So if we want to stop U.S. Uh, imperialism, we stop the U.S. military. We do that by stopping the recruits. And what that means is we need a Chicano moratorium today. So the Chicano moratorium struggled against um, Chicanos entering the U.S. military because of the high death rates. And this was, we're talking back in the, uh, you know, 1972, 1970. And so if we today want a new Chicano moratorium, um, then we have to start organizing and mobilizing uh, the Chicano nation around the idea of a Chicano moratorium today. And so... By us and other non-Chicano people uh, supporting uh, a Chicano moratorium, that is the most, um, that is probably the most anti-imperialist action that non-Chicano people can do is to support a Chicano moratorium. And, and so that's when we talk about what is anti-imperialism, how can I get involved, how can I contribute to stopping such a, an entity, a behemoth like the U.S. imperialism. Well, this is the way we do it. So we need to find ways to uh, create a new Chicano moratorium today. And um, we have to uh, mobilize our community just like our community was mobilized 
yesteryear. So this is something that we have to do. And, um, and so that's something to work on. And we'll talk about this more next week on Free Aslan. So with that being said, I want to thank you all for listening. And um, I'll talk to you next week. Um, take care of yourselves. Love your people. Struggle for your people. And I'll see you next week. Free Aslan. Listening to 96.1 KEXU, Free Us Live, Joey. Shutting down for the night. Take flight. All right.